The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. All right. Hey, there we are. So um, there's 16 of us here this morning. For those of you who are online, just to know that. And they can hear us. Woo! It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy time here, you guys. Wish you were all here. But um, yeah. Hey, you heard it. You heard it, um, golden rats and tumors, okay? That's what we're talking about this morning. Um, when Chris gave me this passage, I thought, there's, there's crazy stuff here. Um, three, three to be exact. Golden rats and tumors, uh, mooing cows, and Raiders of the Lost Ark thing. Because um, in, in, in verse 19, 70 guys are st- struck dead. I mean, literally, they look at the ark and they go down. So, um, crazy stuff. But... Uh, here's, here's the elephant in the room, in fact, for these three, these three chapters on the Ark of God, 4, 5, and 6. Um, God hurts a lot of people in these chapters. He hurts a lot of people. And so much so that the Philistines send him away. And the Israelites of Beth Shemesh that received the Ark send it away. They don't want it. And then this haunting question is asked at the end of the chapter, so who can stand before Yahweh, this holy God? Uh, well, the, answers, the answer from this, these chapters seems to be that some people seem to be able to, but most people either don't want to or can't. So, big point here. Um, if we think it's easy <laughs> to stand before Yahweh, the holy God, we're wrong. Um, so, tough stuff, isn't it? But in these three crazy things that we're seeing in this chapter, um, there's three warnings for us who would like to have a relationship with Yahweh, this holy God. So, let's jump right in. The first one is here, um, verses 1 through 6. This is the rats and tumors thing. Um, and And the warning is this. God's priority for your life may not be yours. God's priority for your life may not be yours. So verse one, we see that the ark of Yahweh had been with the Philistines for seven months, okay? And um, they want to send it away. So what's behind that? Well, here's a little in the previous episode, uh, back in chapter five, which we heard last week. Um, So the ark goes to the temple of Dagon, that Dagon, Dagon, and um, it basically destroys their God, and they have to glue it together with super glue. Um, and they take it out of the temple there. This isn't a good thing. It goes to some place in, in the city, and boom, people are hit with tumors and rats. They send it to another city, boom, tumors and rats. Send it to another city, boom, tumors and rats. Four, fourth city, fifth city, tumors and rats. And um, it's like... I don't want this thing, you take it. No, you take it. And they're, they're passing this thing around. So it gets to the end of chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 6, and they want to get rid of this thing. That's what this chapter is about. So, um, and that's where these golden tumors and rats, that's where they come in. <clears throat> so we look here at verses um, 2 to 4. It says, the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, that's the religious experts, Um, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us with what 
Shall we, with what we shall send it to its place? And they said, if you send it away, send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means, return him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed and it will be known to you why this, his hand has not turned away from you. And they said, what is the guilt offering that we shall return to him? And they answered, five golden tumors and five golden mice. So did you catch that? Why, why the golden tumors and the rats? It was a guilt offering. It was a guilt offering. They, the, the Philistines were feeling guilty. Um, th- th- this was kind of hazy and undefined in their minds, but they were feeling guilty. And, and then somehow in their logic, um, and I don't know how this logic worked. I mean, you can read the commentaries and they la- wax eloquent on this stuff. Golden rats and tumors, really? But somehow they felt like this is, this is the thing if, you, if you're guilty before this God, then give him some golden rats and tumors. Sounds like something you get off of YouTube or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, this is strange. This is really strange. Um, but there's something else strange here. Does, doesn't, doesn't anybody think it's strange that when the Ark of Yahweh goes to these pagan people worshiping these weird and bogus gods, um, and doing these weird and bogus religious acts that he afflicts them with rats and tumors rather than blessing them. Doesn't that, isn't that kind of strange? I mean, would you, would you afflict these people with rats and tumors? I mean, this is the ark of God that represents the presence of the real God. Not a bogus God, the real God, the holy God, the God of Israel. And it gets in their midst, and they have rats and tumors. Why doesn't he bless them? Isn't that strange? Wouldn't it have been better if God had blessed them? Hey, you know, by the way, we like to do that, don't we? We love to play that game. God, wouldn't it have been better if you had? I mean, (laughs) we do that. Um, And by the way, isn't this the kind of stuff we relegate to Satan and the powers of darkness? being afflicted with tumors and rats? Who would think that that came from Yahweh, the holy God? But it did. So that's the point here. Um, God really does afflict these people. He doesn't bless them. Um, Why? Well, you see, Yahweh, the holy God, did not want them to feel good. He wanted them to feel guilty. He wanted them to feel guilty. Um... If he didn't, he would have blessed them. He didn't want them to feel good and blessed. He wanted them to feel bad and guilty. So, I mean, since we love to speculate about these things, let's do it. I mean, what if God had blessed them? What if the ark had gone to this city and women started having babies like crazy? Because that's what they, you know, that's, that's what they, that was the blessing in those days. Their cows had calves. The, the, the fields had all these crops coming in. And all their sicknesses were healed. And they, they take the ark to another. They said, this is great. Let's send it to the next city. Take it to the next city. And everything is blessed. Everything is wonderful. They take it to the next. Everything is blessed. Everything is wonderful. Um, it could have happened that way. But um, what would have happened then? Every would have, everybody would have felt happy and blessed, wouldn't they? And nobody would have faced the fact that there is something desperately wrong between them 
and this holy God, Yahweh. They would have just embraced this God, put him in the temple, maybe even moved Dagon out, put him in there, maybe put Dagon in a different temple. And they would have never realized that there was something desperately wrong in their hearts between God and them, this holy God. You see, God wants above all, above all, he wants to fix mankind's relationship with him. That's his main priority. Our shattered sick heart that spends more time looking at, listening to, interacting with our cell phones and with him. He wants to heal that. That's what he's doing. That's what he's about in this world. So here's the warning. God's priority for your life may not be yours. A healthy heart for Yahweh, the holy God, is infinitely more important to him, Yahweh, the holy God, than a healthy, happy body. So what happened in this chapter when these two things clash? When they, when they desire for the good old life clash with this kind of, of priority that God had for their lives? Well, they send them away. They send them away, and that's what happens with us too. When our priorities are not God's priorities, when our priorities are just for a good, happy, blessed life, and that, that conflicts with God's priority, that our heart be totally his, then we go like this. We push God away. Push him away, and we push him away. And that's what they did. So there, there it is. His priority for your life may not be yours. A healthy heart for Yahweh, the holy God, is infinitely more important to Yahweh, the holy God, than a healthy, happy body. So that's warning number one, um, the, the deal with the golden rats and tumors. So then, then we come to verses 7 through 12, and this is the cow one. This is about the mooing cows. And here's the warning. When truth and desires meet, desires win. All right? When truth and desire meet, desires win. All right, let's, let's see. So here's the cow story. So they decide, um, they decide well, this ark has to go back, and um, they, they do the rat thing, the rat and, and, and the, the tumors, make them out of gold and put them in a little box. They put the ark on a cart, and they hook it up to some cows. And these aren't the regular, these aren't pulling-type cows. These are like milk cows, and they've got calves back there in there in the pen and the calves are bleeding and they want to they nurse on the, on the mamas and the mamas got these big udders going like this and, and, and they, they're, they're, they're anxious to just be with their, with their calves. That's what they want. But they hook them up to this cart and they send it off and lo and behold, what's the cart do? It makes a beeline for Israel. Just goes straight down the road, straight to Israel and they're mooing all the way. Why are they mooing? Because they want to be back there. Man, we don't want to be going down, but something's compelling them to go down this road. Now, why did, why did they do that? Why did, the, why did these religious experts um, cook this thing up? It's the same guys that cooked up the golden rats and tumors thing. I don't, I don't know. They don't seem like they're the sharpest knives in the drawer, but um, they, why did they do that? It's because they felt like they, they weren't sure. They weren't sure. They were skeptical. 
So the ark comes in and, they, and, it, and it destroys their God, okay? Then it goes to a city and it's afflicted. It goes to another city, it's afflicted. It goes to another city, it's afflicted. City number four, afflicted. City number five, afflicted. And they say, well, maybe this is all coincidence. So what's the point there? Obvious point. We're prone to skepticism. Mankind is, that's what we do. We're prone to skepticism. All these things are happening, and they say, well, we're just not quite sure if this is God. Um, so here, here's a point. Evidence will never totally convince you to faith. Evidence builds out, builds out, builds out in the direction of faith, but there's always that gap at the end. It might be only this big. It might be really big. It might be big enough that you have to take a really big leap across it. But the evidence never takes you all the way. Now, Christianity, let, let me just a proviso here. Christianity does not ask you to believe without evidence. The evidence for Christ in Christianity is abundant. It's, it's, it's sufficient to get us like here. But you have to take the step. And what motivates, what gets you across? It's your desires. And what keeps you back? It's your desires. How do, why do I say that? Well, we all know John 3.16. A lot of us don't go down to read John 3.19. But John 3.19 says this. And this is the judgment. So this is, when God looks at mankind, he said, this is what's going on here. This is New Testament stuff. This is what's going on here. He says, the light has come into the world. In other words, Jesus Christ and his truth and his gospel. It's come. It's not that it hasn't come. It's not that it isn't light. It's not that it hasn't been seen. The, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Do you get that? Wasn't that he, the light wasn't there? They didn't see it, but they loved the darkness. They, they looked at that and they said, light, darkness. <laughs> darkness is for us, man. It's, it's your desires that take you across or keep you back. And it, says, and it goes on to say, for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his deeds be exposed. They want what they're doing. They like what they're doing. They don't want to make that change. Their desires keep them back. The Rwandans have a, have a proverb. It says, which means a hungry man dreams that he's eating. And it means that our desires determine how we see and handle reality. Our desires determine how we see and handle reality. So as you're confronted with the truth of Jesus, Yahweh, this holy God, realize that your desires will determine how you handle that truth, what you do with it. So here's the warning. When desires and truth meet, who wins? Desires win. Your desires are stronger than the evidence of the truth. Look what the Philistines do. They send the ark away. I mean, this is amazing. This is, there's so much evidence that this is the real God. This is the real God. And they send him away. They send him away. Their desires win. So here's the question, seeker. 
If you're seeking Jesus, you're not sure about this stuff, this Christianity stuff, you need to ask yourself the question, what desires do I have that are holding me back? What desires have such a hold on me that I will not take that step over that final gap to faith? But it's not just, we're not off the hook either as Christian people. Um, We have to ask ourselves, what truths of God am I twisting or ignoring because of the pull of my desires? So there's the warning. When desire and truth meet, desire wins. All right? So, um, So we come to the last guy here, the last section, 13 through 19. And... This is the Raiders of the Lost Ark section here. Um, And here's the warning. Religion can be a way to mess around with God to keep him from capturing our hearts. Religion, even true religion, can be a way to mess around with God to keep him from capturing our hearts. So I believe that's the lesson of these verses. So as as we look at what happens here, so... um, the, the ark has come back uh, in verse, we see that in verse 13. The ark comes back to this town called Beth Shemesh, which is right on the border of, of uh, Philistine and, and Israelite territory. And that's where the cows went. They just made a beeline for this town. And um, when, the, when the people of the town see it, they realize, when they realize what it is, they're in, overjoyed, they're ecstatic. The ark has come back. And, um, and so what do they do? They call in the Levites. They bring in some Levites. And then the people immediately sacrifice those cows as burnt offerings to Yahweh. And it indicates that they went on through the day sacrificing and praising Yahweh throughout that day. Now, now, now get this. This is really important. This is not golden rat and tumor stuff. This is the real thing. This is the real thing. This is what Yahweh, the holy God, had commanded them to do. So only the Levites are to handle this thing. So they call in the Levites. And they knew that God, the holy God, wanted the sacrifice. They do the sacrificing. And they even do it. It seems like they're joyful, okay? They're doing all the right things. But then comes verse 19. But God struck down some of the men of Beth Shemesh, putting 70 of them to death because they had looked at the ark of Yahweh. Wow. That's, that's like... Um, so 70 more are struck down by Yahweh. Why? Well, it says because they looked... Some versions say at. I think the, the Hebrew just says at. The NIV says into because of the prohibition. There's a prohibition in Numbers 4.20 that says don't look in, into the ark, of the, co- ark of the Covenant or you'll die. So they say into, but I, it, I don't think it matters. Whether they looked at it or into it, that's not the point. The obvious point is the guilt issue was still there. There was still a big problem between these people and Yahweh, the holy God. It hadn't gone away. But they had done all the right things. But the guilt issue was still there. But they'd done all the right things. But the guilt issue was still 
there. And I think the writer and the Holy Spirit who inspired this wants us to stop and think right there. These people, they did the right things. These aren't these bogus things, the golden rats and tumors and all that stuff. This is the real stuff, and why? Why then did God zap 70 of them? So these religious people, they felt they were okay because they had done all the religious, religiously right things, things written in God's word, things given to them by God to do, but they weren't okay. They weren't okay. There was something still wrong. The issue was still there. It hadn't gone away. What was it? Well, we jump ahead to, to verse 3 which, of chapter 7, which Chris will deal with next week, but um, we have to read it here. It said, And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to Yahweh with all your heart. Now stop right there. There's the clue. If you are returning. In other words, these people who were doing all the right things, they, were st- they weren't heading towards, they weren't doing this to get close to Yahweh. They didn't have hearts that were seeking Yahweh. They didn't have hearts directed towards Yahweh. They were just doing these religious acts. I think they were doing it just to keep Yahweh off their backs. They weren't doing it because they wanted Yahweh and his ways. They just wanted to keep God off their backs so he didn't kill them. Like, or afflict them with tumors and rats, you know? But their hearts had nothing to do. And look, at it goes on. It's, if you are returning to Yahweh with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your heart to Yahweh and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Wow, there you go. I mean, their hearts were full of other gods. They were no different than these than these other people. They were doing all the right things, but the heart was full of other gods. The heart was not seeking Yahweh. The heart wasn't serving Yahweh. So Israel was doing all the right things, but their hearts were full of other gods. So the heart, that's the issue. Religious, ritual, um, even right religious practice prescribed by God without the heart being God's, it's just messing around with God. It's just messing around with him. God wants the heart. He wants to capture your heart. That's what he wants. So there's two powerful truths here. The first one is um, that Yahweh, this holy God, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. That's amazing. That's an astounding truth. He doesn't just want you as a body, as a pawn, as a number, as whatever. He wants, desires, loves the real you, the inner you. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he still wants you. He wants you. He loves you with all his heart, and he wants you to love him with all your heart. That's what this God is about, Yahweh, the holy God. And he won't settle for anything less, and that's point number two. Powerful truth number two, Yahweh the holy God will not be messed around with. He won't be messed around with. I have a, my, my friend Dave McLean, my best friend, he died about just about a year ago. We used to go out to breakfast, village inn or no-nos, I think it was at no-nos. 
It's one of these deals where, you know, you sit down at 8.30 and order your breakfast and you're sitting there and uh, you're drinking your coffee and finishing your breakfast and they're, they're setting up for lunch and you're going, wow, is it already noon? And so, yeah, we better go home and get, get to our other stuff. But we were talking about what we were reading and, and uh, he was reading through the Old Testament and, and he gets intense and he, he takes my arm across the table and he goes, Gary, Gary, God is ferocious about his glory. See, God is ferocious about his glory. I thought, wow, that's right. He is, he is ferocious about his glory. He wants to be our God ferociously. He doesn't want to be our magic wand. He doesn't want to be, oh, I need a job, God. Ding. There it is. Oh, man, I, we haven't had any babies. Bing. Oh man, I'm I'm I've been sick. Bing. He doesn't want to be our a magic wand. He wants to capture your heart. He wants to be your God. That doesn't say he won't do those things, but he'll do it as your God, not as your magic wand. He doesn't want to be a fix-it tool in our bag. You know, you just put him in there. Jesus is down there in in your in your fix-it bag, and things aren't going right. And so first, maybe you try money. Well, that doesn't work. Well, what else do I got in there? Well, I got my wonderful personality. Let me try that, you know? So you work on that, and you try your wonderful personality. That doesn't work. What else is in there? Oh, Jesus is in there. Yeah, let me try Jesus. He doesn't want to be that. He wants to be your God. He wants to capture your heart. He doesn't want to be our ticket to heaven. Yeah, he's got heaven for us, but he, he's got heaven for us when we make him our God. He is not a ticket to heaven. And if that's all he is to us, we're being mistaken. So, Deuteronomy 30.20, Moses tells us, love Yahweh your God, listen to his voice, cling to him, for Yahweh is your life. That's what God wants. So this, this section um, is a rebuke to us. It's a rebuke to us when we want just enough religion, but not too much religion. It's a rebuke when we want enough religion to feel good, but not too much. Enough so that we feel like God is not on our backs, but not enough to seriously affect our day-to-day life. So, you know, we, we study the spiritual disciplines. Those are those religious practices that are good. They're good. They're prescribed by God. They're here in the word, you know, going to church. But here's a question. Am, am I in church to embrace God ever closer, ever stronger, ever deeper into my life? Is that why I'm here? Is that why I'm listening? Is that why I do this every Sunday? Or am I going to church to keep God at arm's length saying, well, okay, all right, I've done that for the week. Now I can get about my week. Or how about a quiet time in the morning? You have a prayer time, read your, read your Bible and pray. Is it, is it so that you can engage with God like this and make your life and God's life like this? Or is it so you can say, okay, I did that. Okay, now I can go to work and go about my day. So religion can be a way to mess around with God to keep him from capturing our hearts. God wants to capture our hearts. So, 
There you go. Um, let's close with this. Put up that slide there um, that you've got. I got one slide. There it is. Ah, you look at that and you go, oh, phew. We're back in the New Testament. <laughs> that, <laughs> that looks a lot better, doesn't it? Um, than this hard Old Testament stuff. But let me ask you this. Who's that guy sitting there? That main guy there in the middle. Why, that's Yahweh, the holy God. That's the same guy. That's not somebody different. That's this guy here in in 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6. You know what the name Jesus means? It means Yahweh saves. And, and we sing Emmanuel at Christmas time means God with us. That's this God. It's not somebody different. It's not somebody different. You see, so here's the point. If God to you is just a nice old, little bit shaky, I'm getting a little bit shaky, white-haired, friendly, all the fight gone out of him, uh, nice old grandpa, then sitting at the table with him is no big deal. In fact, it's, it's, it's fun, it's quaint, it's even expected. Well, why wouldn't Grandpa God want to sit with me at the table? Of course he would. But if God, if this is really Yahweh, the holy God, who is ferocious about his glory, who will not be messed around with, who has decreed and showed by many ferocious acts in the Old Testament that no one should be able to stand before him, much less sit at a table with him, then this is astounding. This is astounding. This is mind-boggling. This, this should bring tears to your eyes of wonder and gratitude. We are sitting at the table, fellowshipping. What are those guys doing? They're talking. They're eating. He's handing them bread. He's handing them wine. This is absolutely astounding. This is the same God, you people. This is the same God. And so as we take the Lord's Supper, let's take it in that way.